Well, today I will be preaching to you from the book of Luke. Uh, we've gone through our Easter Advent season, and Pastor Liz did a good job wrapping it up last week, where she talked about some of these stories that are kind of around Christmas, that kind of come after the actual birth of Jesus, and she did a great job doing that last week. But um, I, I wondered for myself, where are we going to go now? Do we go back into the teachings and commands of Christ? If you remember, that's where we were before the Advent season. We were, as a church, looking at the teachings and commands of Christ. And you can always go back onto our website, uh, online, uh, or our Facebook or YouTube page, and look up some of those previously uh, preached sermons that talk about um, the teachings and commands of Christ. And uh, I thought about how... Um, this time of the year, the new year, we're constantly looking forward. We, we're, we're trying to plan for what's next. We set goals. And I, and I even mentioned that as I was praying. One of my goals, you know, is, is as a pastor and as a father of a family and, and just as a believer in Jesus, I want to sit down. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to journal. Those are things that I'm like, okay, it's January. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to do that now and to really, you know, get back into good habits and uh, I'm sure you see in the, in the stores, there's a lot of marketing around getting uh, a lot of exercise in. There's a lot of, um, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a lot of Tupperware there for, so you can get organized in your home again. People want, at this time of the year, to start um, looking forward so they can live a better life in the new year. Like, I'm sure you've heard people say, you know, in 2022, I'm going to do things maybe I've never done before. Or, or maybe people ask you, what is your New Year's resolution? Or what would you like to do this year? I know as a family, since COVID was happening, you know, we didn't really get to celebrate the bringing in the new year with any other household. So we were at home with just our kids. And, and I thought, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity to ask my kids if there's anything for them that they want to celebrate uh, or, or do that's new this year. And they were kind of like baffled to not even think about that. For them, you know, starting a new year, they, they've only lived so many years uh, already. Uh, 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 they're so young. They haven't really thought about the things they haven't done yet in, in their lives. And then as we grow older, maybe we start thinking, okay, well, I'd like to do this or like to do that as I age. And then, and I know uh, the older you get, maybe the less optimistic you get about a new year. And you start thinking, well, maybe, maybe New Year's resolutions or New Year's goals, they're not worth it because I seem to always make them and never get around to them. Let me make a suggestion to you this morning. That in order to look forward and have hope for the future, sometimes we have to stop and pause and reflect on the past. Uh, not only did I want to ask my kids, what do you look forward to in 2022? I wanted to ask them, what are your highlights of 2021? I think that the Bible actually shows us how important it is to remember. And if there's anything that you get out of today's sermon, it's this, that I believe that Jesus, one of Jesus' main teachings when it centers around communion, which he teaches us to regularly do, and we're going to do at the end of this service, is to take communion together, is to remember what the Lord has done for us. And so today, in practice and as a church family, I think it's important for us to take time and say, God, what have you done for me? 
Maybe it's throughout my whole life. Maybe it was, you know, some 20 years ago when I first gave my heart to Jesus or was first baptized. Or maybe it was uh, this past year and you can remember, this is where God, you know, really worked in my life. Maybe for some of you, you're still new to this faith and you can remember a big growth area in your life in 2021. And I think it's important for us to remember what the Lord has done. And so if we look in the scriptures today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 22, because we're going to be taking communion together, and we're going to look what Jesus had to say when it centered around this idea of Jesus having the last supper with his disciples. And so you think about this. The, the, the last supper was this last opportunity for Jesus to have a, a meal with his disciples before he was going to go to the cross and die for their sins and then rise from the dead. And we know that after Jesus rose from the dead, a new era began. It was the era of the church. It was the era of the Holy Spirit. It was what we would call the last days where the Spirit of God came upon us and the church started. And here now, 2,000 years later, we are still in existence. We're still trying to grow the kingdom of God. And that age changed when Jesus went to the cross and he died and then was risen from the grave. All that started 2,000 years ago. But before Jesus knew that this age was going to change and something new was around the corner, he decided to have a meal with his disciples. And in this meal, he wanted them to not forget what he was going to do. He wanted them to remember. So let's look at Luke chapter 22. And we're going to start at verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I'm going to tell you for a second, I think that food is love. Uh, one thing I've missed with my church is having potlucks, where we can go down together and have a meal and sit across face to face, and we can ask each other how you're doing. To me, that's the real essence of who we are as a church, and and it felt like before this last uh, surge of, of COVID, Omicron really went up and, and the numbers were still low. I felt like we were starting to get back to that place where we were comfortable being around each other again, comfortable having meals together again. And, and here, Jesus is about to have what we call the Last Supper, and it's centered around a table. It's centered around a meal. And this is how we often tell people that we love each other. As Tessa comes by and uh, <laughs> reminds us, you got to love the little children. <laughs> That's what we do, right? When our family's around, when our family comes around, we have a meal together. And Jesus wanted to do this with his disciples. It was one of the last things that he wanted to do. If I were to ask you if you want to remember some of the highlights of this past year, I'm sure there might be times where you can remember gathering with family or gathering with friends. And what can you remember? Probably sitting around a table together. Probably the food you ate. Whether it be Thanksgiving or Easter or Christmas, those are meals that we as Christians gather around and celebrate these important things uh, within the Christian calendar. And we remember how important it is to, that Jesus died for us and rose from the grave on Easter or Thanksgiving, that we need to be thankful as believers in Christ or maybe Christmas, thankful that Jesus came and was born in a manger to be the Savior of the world. We center around a table to remember these holidays, holy days. 
And Jesus said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And the Passover was similar to our Easter celebration. If you, if you know your Christian history and your Jewish history, the Passover was a celebration of when Moses took the people of uh, the Israelites, the Hebrews, out of Egypt and into the wilderness so that they could eventually move their way into the promised land. And in order for that to happen, God had to bring down plagues on Egypt because Pharaoh wouldn't let God's people go. And, and God said, I'm going to bring one last plague. It's going to be a plague of death. And if you don't cover your doorposts with blood, then your children, your firstborn children will die. And this is why it was called the Passover. And they were to kill a young goat or a young um, lamb and shed its blood and put it over the doorposts. And, if, and when the angel of death would pass by, if they had done what the Lord had commanded them to do by um, putting this blood over the doorposts, they would be protected. And so this is what Jesus was celebrating with his disciples the night before he was to be betrayed. And remember that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And so all of these symbols of the Passover moving into the New Testament, they're there so that we can remember. We can remember that, that, that Jesus is our Passover lamb. Verse 16 says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. Take this. And divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of my, of the new cup, of, in my, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. Here, Jesus gives his disciples both bread and wine. Actually, some of these symbols go way back to the book of Genesis. If you're someone who's starting to read your Bible, maybe for the first time in a long time, or maybe it's the new year and you want to start in Genesis again, you, you pick up the, the Bible and you open the book of Genesis and boom, there's Abraham. And Abraham comes along and he meets a man named uh, Melchizedek, who was both a priest and uh, a prophet. Oh, sorry, a priest and a king. He was a priest and a king, Melchizedek was. And Melchizedek meets Abraham and he offers him what? Wine. And bread. These are, again, symbols in the scripture to remind us of what things God has done for us in the past. And we'll see in our lives that God will continually do this as believers. He will show us through signs and pictures and symbols to remind us of the things he's done us in the past, whether it be in the scripture or sometimes even in our own lives. I want to highlight uh, verse 19 one more time. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. This is one of the teachings and commands of Christ, that we are to take the bread and the cup of the Lord Jesus and to drink of it in remembrance of him. 
as Christians, we're not supposed to be people who forget what God has done for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says this. Remember that at a time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. This is, again, that, that wine that we're going to take together, or that grape juice, that fruit of the vine, is a symbol of the blood of Christ, that blood that shows us that once we were far away, we've been brought back through the blood of Christ. And in Ephesians, Paul tells us, remember that you were separate from Christ. There was a time in your life where you didn't know God and then you were brought near to him. It's okay for you as a Christian to look back in your life and see what the Lord has done. Remind yourself at the work that God has done in your life. Sometimes I meet people in the church and they're, they're, they're discouraged. They feel like they're struggling in their life and they don't know where they're going. And listen, maybe, you know, it's now January 2022 and you're like, man, I really want to go somewhere this year. I really want to do something, but it's hard for me to be motivated. Sometimes we have to be encouraged that God has done things in our lives. God did show up at that moment in my life. God has provided for me. I know there's times in my life where it felt like we had nothing. And we're like, how are we going to live? And God provided for us supernaturally. And I believe he continues to do so today. And maybe you're wondering if God will do that for you in the future. And maybe you need to look back to the times where you were struggling and then God showed up in your life. There was a moment in each and every one of our lives where we were estranged for God, from God. Estranged from God. We didn't know God as much as we do today. And he brought us near. And the writer of Ephesians tells us, Paul tells us, that we need to remember that so that we could be thankful. But now, he says, but now Christ Jesus who... Once were far, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus. These encouragements and scriptures aren't just in the New Testament, they're in the Old Testament as well. And Pastor Liz started our uh, morning worship, and if you tuned in a little late, you might have missed her call to worship, but her call to worship uh, came from Psalm 77. Psalm 77 verse 11 to 14 says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O oh God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. The psalmist is saying, hey, we got to remember that our God is a God of miracles. we got to remember that God did mighty things. If you don't know of the miracles of God, read your Bible. Like I said, go back to Genesis. Start at the beginning and you'll see how God performed miracles for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the Hebrew and Israelite people. Leading them through the wilderness into the promised land. And continually rescuing them from danger when they called upon his name. 
And so we got to remember that God has done these things. But, but you know what? We can also look in our own lives. Maybe God has healed you at one point of your life from something and you needed a miracle. Maybe God provided for you in a miraculous way. Maybe God restored old relationships. Maybe you can recognize that God has forgiven you from past sins. Those things are important for us to remember the miracle that God has done. I believe that when we go through our life, sometimes it's really hard to remember certain things. Um, recently, I preached a sermon. It was back in the last year. Uh, I don't think it was during Advent. Oh, maybe it was one of the first weeks of Advent, actually. And I remember preaching the sermon. And then at the end, the Lord laid on my heart to tell you all, my church people, that God loves you and that I love you. You might remember this yourself, me saying that. Well, it was interesting because that week I went to prayer meeting and all the ladies at prayer meeting said, oh, pastor, that message, I just needed to hear that message that God really loves me and that we should love each other. And the funny part is that had nothing to do with my message. I think it was the first week of me preaching through Lee Strobel's book, Case for Christmas. And yet the part that people heard was that God loved them and not my message. I have no problem with that. I think it's so important that you understand that God loves you. And if you miss everything that I have to say, even today, that, uh, about remembering the things from the past, and you just remember that God loves you, that's important enough. Now, let me give you a key to how we can remember things. Love and our connection, I'm learning this more and more every day. Our connection with each other and our attachments are grounded in the need for love. It doesn't surprise me that everybody at prayer meeting that week missed my main message and only focused on the need for love because that need for love and that attachment is so important. But if we want to remember the things that God has done for them, they can't be void of that attachment of love that God has for us. Let me explain. Um, I'm reading a book by Eugene Peterson. He's the, he's the uh, man who um, wrote the paraphrase of the Message Bible. And in his book, his book is called um, The Contemplative Pastor. This is what I'm reading, The Contemplative Pastor. In one of his chapters, he says there's three languages that pastors can speak. One is, the, fir the first language is like the language we speak to babies. Do you know when uh, Anna Claire, Anna Claire just turned one, she can't speak yet, right? But we still speak to her, believe it or not. Do you believe that? Amy Beth's doing it right now. And Anna Claire's having feedback. She's doing it with her body language. She's doing it with her facial expressions. And sometimes we'll find ourselves, even me, I'll, I'll be cooing. I'll be saying tickle, tickle, tickle. I'll be, uh, you know, doing whatever I can. Even this morning as I was changing her diaper, I tickle, tickle, tickle and smiling at her. Why? Because just without any words, no words necessary, I can communicate to her that I love her. This is the, uh, the, the language, the first language we speak to babies. There's another language, and this language, um, as we grow older, we think is maybe uh, more important, and that's to learn to speak. And, um, and, and to pass on information to each other. Think about um, the second language as more of a language for students. 
you know, our kids are learning online. Words are being exchanged over the internet. Kids are going into and listening to their teachers or professors, and they're gaining information through words. That would be the second language. The third language that Eugene Peterson talks about is the language of a motivator or a coach. So the words aren't necessarily uh, as important as the enthusiasm or the motivation that is behind those words. Yes, the words still matter, words are still powerful, but it's more the essence of those words that matter more than the information itself, if you understand what I'm saying. So that's more of a language from a coach. So here we have these three languages, the language that we primarily speak to babies, second, the language we speak uh, mostly to students, and third, uh, the language a coach would speak to motivate us. This is what Eugene Peterson uses. And do you know which one that sticks with us to help us remember the most? It's the same one that the ladies at prayer meeting remembered over my entire sermon. Again, I'm not, a few ladies are watching. I do not blame you. It's okay. Because I think this is so true. It's so important that if we want to remember the things of our past in order for us to move forward with hope of our future, we need to remember the things of our past. And the things that will stick the most are the moments where we experience love. That language between a baby and a mother that words don't even need to be exchanged, just eye contact, a smile, a hug. Um, during COVID, I read a book about mental health and how to overcome some of our troubles and rewire our brain chemistry so we can um, think properly through uh, our struggles of anxiety. And, and, and the author of this book talked about how in order to stop the negative cycle of negative thoughts. Sometimes we have to put a pause on that and start thinking about positive things. And for me in my life, when I start thinking of the positive things, I think about that, those moments of love. The first thing that came to mind was actually my honeymoon with my wife. One of the most sacred moments between a husband and a wife where they first experienced that love together. And, and so when I'm reading this book and I'm thinking, oh, what do I need to snap out of it? What do I need to uh, remember how... how a time in my life where I felt love and something positive and not just this negative feeling that I want to get out of, I remember my honeymoon. And for you, it might be different times in your life where you can really remember that moment of love. And this is why I believe that, you know, in Luke chapter 22, which we were studying, Jesus wanted to have this meal. He so wants to have this meal with his disciples, the Last Supper. He wants to recline at the table with them. He wants to tell them that he wants them to remember to do this. He wants them to remember how much God loves them. And so he gave them communion, which we're going to do today because we want to be faithful to the commands and teachings of Christ. And one of these commandments is to do this, to take the cup and the bread and to do it in remembrance that Jesus died for us. So here I'm looking in the hymnal here for our the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the, the readings to which we will go through for communion. And I want you to think about even this word communion. I was reminded that this word communion, you can think of two words, come and union. Come, union. We're inviting union. We're inviting God's love. Uh, the, 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 the word communion, when, when the New Testament church used to take uh, communion, they would call it the Eucharist, which actually was called a love feast. A feast of love. 
And it was a whole meal. It wasn't just, you know, the bread and the juice. But when they took the bread and the juice, they were supposed to um, remember what Jesus did for them. And, and, and in the New Testament, Paul writes about how some of them came to, and just to fill their stomachs. And, and, and communion was, or the Eucharist, or the love feast, was more than just about getting full on food. It was about remembering that Christ died for us. And so that's why now we, we don't have a full meal. We just have the bread and the juice because we want to really make this about remembering what Christ has done for us. So let me read through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You who truly and earnestly repent of your sins, who live in love and peace with your neighbors, and who intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways, draw near with faith. And take this holy sacrament to your comfort and humbly kneeling, make your honest confession to Almighty God. Maybe you want to kneel even now as we take communion together. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we confess that we have sinned and we have deeply grieved and we are deeply grieved as we remember the wickedness of our past lives. We have sinned against you, your holiness and your love. And we only deserve your indignation and anger. We sincerely repent and we are genuinely sorry for all the wrongdoings and every failure to do the things we should. Our hearts are grieved and we acknowledge that we are hopeless without your grace. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us, cleanse us, Give us strength to serve you and please you in newness of life and to honor and praise your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. O oh, Almighty God, our Father, who with great mercy has promised forgiveness to all who turn to you with hearty repentance and true faith, have mercy upon us, pardon us, and deliver us from our sins. Make us strong and faithful in all goodness and bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are opened, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. It is always right and proper in our moral duty that we should at all times, in all places, give thanks to God, our Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all inhabitants of heaven, we honor and adore your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Glory be to you, Lord, O Most High. Glory be to the Father. Glory be to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen and amen. We do not come to this, your table, O merciful Lord, with self-confidence and pride, trusting in our own righteousness, but we trust in your great and many mercies. We are not worthy to gather the crumbs from under your table, 
But you, O Lord, are unchanging in your mercy, and your nature is love. Grant us, therefore, God of mercy, God of grace, so to eat at this your table, that we may receive in spirit and in truth the body of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and the merits of his shed blood, so that we may live and grow in his likeness. And being washed and cleansed through his most precious blood, we may evermore live in him and he in us. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who gave in love your only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death on the cross for our redemption, who by his sacrifice offered once for all did provide a full, perfect, and sufficient atonement for the sins of the whole world, we come now to your table in obedience to your Son, Jesus Christ who in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. Hear us, O merciful Father, we humbly ask, and grant that we, receiving this bread and this cup as he commanded, and in the memory of his passion and death, may partake of his most blessed body and blood. In the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the bread, and when he gave, it th gave thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In like manner, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said to them, saying, Drink of this, all of you, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many, for the remissions of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given, you, given for you, preserve your soul and body unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed upon him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your soul and body unto everlasting life. Do this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you, and be thankful. My prayer is that as we enter into this last song, you would remember the goodness of God and what he's done for you and his great love for you. Know that he loves you and wants you to remember all these moments where you have felt his love. Let's sing together. <laughs> 